something that we may uh, have missed when we were little, something we just had never noticed before. <laughs> and uh, the story this morning is Noah's Ark, and we began in Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. All of the verses will be on the board, so you can look at your Bible or look at the board, either one, and uh, I hope that different ones will read, and uh, we will uh, uh, share our thoughts with this uh, story about, uh, we've known our entire life, the story of Noah's Ark. Genesis 6, 5 through 7. Will someone read it for me? And God, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only on uh, evil continually. And repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping things and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Okay, so God has made his creation. We talked about this last week about uh, the Garden of Eden and how perfect it was, how wonderful it was, but man chose to sin. And we all agree in the Bible class last week that we'd have probably done the same thing because we're, it's just our nature seemed like to yearn for something that we can't have. And uh, that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. And by this time, just a few chapters later in the Bible, we find out that man is... Uh, really sinning. Uh, the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And what did they think about all the time? Evil. Thought about evil all the time. Uh, have you ever known anybody that it seems like they think about evil all the time? They seem like you, I just sometimes want to shake somebody and say, why don't you think about something good for a minute? You know, think about something wholesome, something pure, something good for just a little while. And uh, you hear about people I heard about, about a guy the other day that was arrested and had done something terrible thing, and it was like his 29th felony. 29. 29 felonies. That's a lot of felonies, folks. And that don't say anything about the things that weren't felonies, you know, because not everything's a felony. But he's probably thinking about evil continuously, that person was. Uh, just get into one mischief after another. Uh, you hear people sometimes it's always fighting, they're always carousing, they're always just doing everything. And, but it, it, so one thing I, I've always thought of is when we look around and say, well, the world is an evil place. Uh, but I don't know that it's as evil it was at this time. It don't seem to be. There's a lot of good people in the world. There's a lot of good people in the world doing a lot of really good things. And I don't think that this means that every person was just heinously bad all the time. There were children, there were old people and stuff back in this day as well. But the majority of the people were thinking about evil continuously. And God was sorry that he even made man, wasn't he? He was sorry that he even made man. And uh, it just did not turn out 
the way he would walk. He said, I'll destroy the man whom I've created. I will destroy man whom I've created. And God has that ability. But what do we find in Genesis 6, 8 through 9? Okay, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What does that mean? He found favor. He found favor. Yeah. God looked down and said, well, they're not all bad. This fellow here is a good man. This is a good man uh, among all his generations. And then they would name those people. He was a just man. What does it mean to be just? What's what it mean to be right. just? I'm sorry. To do what is right. To do what is right. To be honest, to be uh, uh, sincere, to be just. I want to be just. Uh, that would be a, that's what our court systems try to do is they try to find justice, don't they? They try to find justice. Was this person guilty or innocent? Uh, that's what our goal is to do, to, 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 to hand out justice. Noah was a just man and perfect or complete in his generation. And Noah walked with God. What does that mean? He did what God wanted to do. He followed God's instructions. He walked with God. Would you like for someone to say that you walked with God? I would think so. I would like to think that I walked with God all the way to heaven. Okay? And he's not here right there as a person standing beside me. But I walked along with his son Jesus, holding Jesus' hand figuratively, and walked all the way to heaven. If you're walking with Jesus, you're walking with God. Yes, Josh. I find it interesting, too, that during this time period, God actually spoke to the heads of households. Yeah, yeah. So everybody knew God, yeah. you know, who he was, and they still refused to follow. Yeah. I, I mean, can you imagine actually being able to speak and talk directly to God and still reject him? That's, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's a lot more than just saying, I've got a book. Yeah, right. I mean, you know what I mean? Right. And Josh has got a good point there. That, uh, the people, that God spoke to the patriarchs, the heads of the household. And uh, they, they were in God's presence, uh, literally, you know, they could, they could speak to God. And they still chose to sin. Uh, we know children that have been raised in very, very wholesome families. In very, very wholesome families, very, very good families. And the children turned from that, didn't they? And when they got older, they just went down a terrible road. And uh, we wonder, how could that have been? They were right there with a good mom and a good dad. And they were shown, they were brought to church, and they were raised upright. How could that happen? And it surprises us, doesn't it, when we see kids like that. Now, we see kids raised in terrible environments where mom and dad are both uh, outlaws, and the child turns out to be an outlaw. That doesn't really surprise hardly anybody. But oftentimes when you see a good kid, uh, a child raised in a good environment, uh, it makes a difference, doesn't it? But these people were raised in a good environment. The world was a good place. But the world descended into, into chaos, into anarchy, and into sin, even though they had the ability to talk with God. Who else do you know that uh, walked with God? Enoch. There we go. Enoch. Enoch, Genesis 5, 24. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. How old was Enoch when God took him? It's a trivia question. It's a trivia question. A few hundred, 365. 365 years. How do you remember that, Kevin? I can remember it because there's 365 days in the year. That's how I can always remember it, okay? I always, that's how I remember it, is I associate things. What I mean? I 
just got to take that little caveat. It'd be wrong this year. That's exactly right. But uh, that's how I remember. And who was his son? Don't look. Who was his son? Who was his son? Methuselah. Methuselah. And he lived to be? 969. And how I remember that is you just turn the nine upside down. I always have to way of remembering things. That's how I can remember. And I can see them in my head when I do that. 969. Who as far as we know, far as we know, far as the Bible tells us, was the oldest man that ever lived. Now, there could have been somebody else. It doesn't say that he was the oldest man, but it just says he lived to be 969. Yes, sir. I just wondered, are, the year, are our years the same as their years? Yes, they absolutely he wouldn't have been walking with a cane and a walker like we would, you know, when we. And after the flood, man will live. God will reduce it to about 120 years that man will live. Moses would live to be 120. That's about the lifespan. But then, after that era was over, after the the you know the mosaical era was over, you know, they was brought down to about 80 years. The Bible says 70 or 80 years is what we live, which is what it is today. So. 960, they would have still been vibrant, they'd still been able to do things. Uh, and I don't know how, I don't know, but it was just the way the world was. Think about Caleb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're exactly the same. They're absolutely the same. Yeah. Think about Caleb, how full of energy he was at his age and how he tackled the, the hill country and the yeah. biggest and meanest people he could find. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing, though. It's a big change, though, from people living to be 800, 900. And so any 365 was just a pup on him. You know, he was just a third of his son's age. And God took him. says he walked with God and God took him. He did not see death. And we can't explain that. We can't explain that. I could talk to my head fell in the floor and rolled out the window at the door. You would never, ever understand it completely. But Enoch walked with God and God took him. Okay? And... Uh, Enoch will await the judgment just like the rest of us will. Uh, in my opinion, he is in paradise. And just like the thief on the cross is, he will await judgment. But he will forever be with God. Okay? But he just did not have to suffer death uh, like everybody else did. And Moses lived to be, I mean, uh, uh, Methuselah lived to be 969 years. And then what happened? He died. He died. Yeah, he died. The people, uh, the people all died, you know. And I'm sure it's bad to die when you're 969. Or if you're 365, or if you're, or if you're 84, or 16, or whatever the case might be. But Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And when we read in the Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible Hall of Fame, Enoch is listed there. Isn't it? Uh, the Hebrew writer says, and Enoch, who was not, for God took him. So, uh, so uh, God looks down, sees man, sees the evil of man, sees the goodness of Noah and his family, and that's where we are. Okay, Genesis 6, 11 through 12. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Okay. Um, we can see countries today, and Somalia comes to my mind, very very, very corrupt place. From what I understand, they have not had a census in Somalia since the early 70s. They don't know how many people live there. Why do they not know how many people live there? There's no government. You have one clan fighting against another clan. And one clan fighting against another clan. And it's just, there's just trouble. And there's Beautiful, beautiful beaches that not one soul ever sees. Because tourists can't go there. 
It's too dangerous. United States government will not let you travel there unless you travel there illegally, you know. Uh, don't go there. Why? You're going to get killed. It's a lawless area. It could be, uh, like the French Riviera, it could be a beautiful place, but there's no law. And so it's a very dangerous place to go to. Uh, North Korea, very dangerous place to go to. There are some people that travel to North Korea. But you better not take no little folders or little posters or signs or nothing like that. Put them in your pocket. It's a very dangerous place to go. So there are places like... The, this what comes to my mind whenever I see uh, this, uh, this description of the earth back in this time. It seemed like the whole earth was lawless. It was filled with violence. Uh, we don't appreciate one speck paying taxes, do we? They know about us to pay taxes. You get the tax bill design, pay taxes. But we have to have laws, and we have to have rules. And God has set up presidents and kings and dominions and monarchies. He has set those up. Because why? It's anarchy if we don't. And what is anarchy? What is anarchy? It's lawlessness, okay? Uh, what if there's no law? Uh, if, if we have something, somebody breaks into this building, we will call the police. The police will come. They will investigate it. They'll look at security cameras and they'll look at things, witnesses and stuff like that. And they'll try their very best to find out who uh, broke into this building and stole something. And hopefully they can catch that person and stop that. Oftentimes you'll hear in a subdivision somebody's breaking into cars. And they'll watch and they'll pay attention. And sooner or later, most times, they will catch somebody. And they'll say, well, it was these boys here. You know, these guys have been breaking into the cars. It's still thing. But we need laws, don't we? And I'm just like you. I don't like to pay taxes either. But we need laws and we need rules, don't we? Because otherwise we've got anarchy. And we've got, you know, we've just got a disaster. And we've got a place that nobody in the world would want to live. Genesis 6, 13, someone. And God said, no, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them. What does he say there, the last thing, and behold, what? He spoke in a very matter-of-fact way about what he planned to do. What did God say one day? I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to destroy the earth and the people. Very matter-of-fact. What gives God the authority to say this? Because they're his. I'm sorry? Because they're his. He made them. They belong to him. And he, uh, I know Bill Cosby was a very, very funny comedian. He's gotten a lot of trouble in the last years of his life. But he's a very, very funny comedian. And, and he said his wife used to tell their kids, I brought you in this world and I can take you out. And uh, it's the, you know, those parents probably, Cindy, you said that before? I see you nodding your head. You brought them in, you can take them out. Can't you? And uh, I've, I've probably heard those words. I don't know if mom and dad said those exact words, but I got the, it was implied certainly that I was the, they brought us in and we could take us out. And I uh, don't know if they said it exactly like that. But God, matter of factly, very matter of fact, I'll destroy them with the earth. I will do it. God is fed up. God has had enough. And he does not want to see anymore. He's tired of his creation, abusing him and everything and everyone around him. And so he talks to Noah in Genesis chapter 6. What does he say? Hmm? 
Okay, make an ark out of gopher wood. No one knows what gopher wood is. Uh, I always think about the Eastern Kentucky expression, go for something, you know, and so I always thought it says, well, I got to go for more wood, you know, F-E-R, go, instead of go for more wood, got to go for more wood. So uh, that's how we would say it probably in Eastern Kentucky. But uh, it's just, a, it's a term of the wood that was used. It certainly, it would have been a strong wood. It would have been, uh, and scientists and people have talked about this, they just don't really know what the wood type is. It doesn't matter. It does not matter what the wood was made of. It was, it was a strong wood. And you shall do what within and without? Pitch. What does pitch mean? What is pitch? It's kind of like a tar. It's just like tar. It is just like tar. And they would have put this tar where? And it cracks the wood. Right. Because if you don't, what happens? It will leak. And when the wood go gets in the water, what does wood do when it gets in the water? It swells. It swells. And the cracks become less and less and less. It squeezes up top. They take uh, whiskey barrels or any kind of wooden stave barrel and they fill them full of water and then wood swells and they don't leak, okay? It's remarkable, isn't it? It's remarkable how much wood will change whenever it just gets, it gets moisture in. But God says, pitch it within and without. So on the inside and outside. And make it 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Okay. Uh, this is very important. A cubit is the distance from one's elbow to the tip of one's middle finger. And these are the distances here, folks. From here to here. That's a cubit, okay? And there was Roman cubits and there was, uh, I think, Egyptian cubits or some other kind of cubit. There's two different kind of cubits. But anyway, from 17 and a half to 20 and a half inches, okay? Uh, it's just like, a, you know, horses sometimes are they're described as being 17 hands tall. Well, Josh, everybody's hands are not the same, are they? There's a big deal about the boy that's played football at the LSU. He's a really great quarterback, Joe Burrow. They're wondering if his hands are big enough. Why do they care if his hands are big enough? Got to grip the football. And when you're standing there holding the football, it's no problem just standing there holding the football. But it's a big problem when you've got a 350-pound man trying to kill you and trying to knock it loose. It's very important to, to hold it tightly, okay? And you can imagine little hands. Not, I don't know how big hands need to be to be a great football thrower, but he's a really good player. But there's some people have a problem with that. He's a, maybe his hands are a little small, you know. But anyway, that, that's not the point. But uh, hands on the base of the height of a horse, I don't know what those mean, Josh. What's a big tall, what's a big, tall horse would be? Probably about 17. 17 hands tall, yeah. yeah. But people that dealt with horses all the time in the 1800s and early 1900s, they knew exactly what you meant. When you said he's 15 hands high. They knew exactly what you're talking about. What did you say, Jesse? Is it four inches? Hang on. I think so. Four inches. It would be like that. Okay. And uh, everybody's hands are different. Tommy Suddeth, if you shake Tommy Suddeth's hands, Lucilla, you feel like, man, I don't think I'm getting my hand around his hand. <laughs> and if you wanted to squeeze Tommy Suddeth's hand until he got down on his knees, you cannot do it. Now, if he wanted to squeeze your hand until you got down on the floor, he can do it easy because his hand wraps around mine and it's that thick and he can squeeze me and I would be crying uncle or mommy or daddy, whatever, in a few minutes. He's got big, strong hands, okay? Mine are weak and not strong. But uh, everybody's hands are different. But this cubit, it doesn't really matter to us. God, Moses knew, I mean, Noah knew what he was doing. But there's the distances. So the ark... Could have been 440 feet long by 73 feet wide by 40 feet, 44 feet tall. Or it could have even been 516 feet long or 86 feet wide and 52. 
That doesn't matter to us. We're not building the ark. Uh, I would want something a little bit more definitive in this day and time. We would say build it 73 feet long. Why? You know, or 560. We know what that means, don't we? And once again, why do we know that? Because we have rules and we have measures. When I go down here to the lumber store to buy some lumber, and I want a 12-foot board, Pat, you don't get a 12-foot board. You don't want it nine and a half feet, do you? You need a 12-foot board because you've got a project that's 11 and a half foot long. A nine-foot board is worthless to you. If you use it, you're going to have to put a little piece in there. And that makes it cumbersome, don't it? It makes it absolutely cumbersome. Sometimes you'll see people trim a house, and they'll put little pieces of trim up around the ceiling. Guarantee you one thing, it's going to crack. You know, there's going to be a pop. It's going to pop open, and you're going to caulk it, and it ain't going to fix it. And it'd been better to just put one big piece of there. One big piece. Wood lengths are critically important, and I'm sure it's critically important in building an ark. This ark has got to be built according to God's specifications. If it's not, what will happen? It will sink. It will not float. If, uh, if, if Noah would have said, I'm going to use uh, some other kind of wood, let's just use pine, would it have floated? No. If he'd have said, I'm not going to pitch it on the inside, that's a lot of work. It's stuff that's nasty. That, that pitch is tar. You know, when you get tar, your guitar on your hand, you can't never get it off. You take it to your casket with you whenever you die. It'll still be on there. I got it on there when I was 23 years old. I still got it under my finger. It just stays there, don't it? That's what tired of, if you don't believe it, get it on the bottom of your shoe and walk down the middle of the carpet. It'll track every piece from here to your house. Uh, tar is, if you'd have said, I don't want to tire or pitch the inside of it because it's a lot of work, and the outside tar will hold it, these planks will swell it. It would not have floated. Moses, I mean, Noah, I keep calling him Moses. Noah had to do exactly like God told him. What does verse 16 say? Verse 16 says a window. How many windows? One window. One window. One window. And how many doors? One door. One window. One door. If it had been me, I'd have said, man, we'll build this big nice boat. And it's 516 foot long or 440 feet long, depending on your length of a cubit. Uh, what are we going to do? I said, put a lot of windows in the top. I want to be able to see out. So there's a lot of stuff to see. One window, one door. Not only that, but get all the smell out. It get all the smell. It would get all the smell. That's a good thought, Ben. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, put a door on the side, and how many floors? Three floors. The, the lower floor, the second floor, and the third floor. These are real easy to follow instructions. Now, really hard to do, but easy to follow instructions. And then verse sixteen, what happens? Seventeen. Seventeen. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Okay, everything that is in the earth or on the earth shall die. That's as clear as you can make it, okay? That's as clear as you can make it. Uh, we'll talk more about this later on, but everything that is in the earth shall die. And going back to the ark, I've always loved the symbolic of it. You've got three floors, you've got three parts of God. You've got the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You've got the three levels of the ark. He's got the one way in. 
and that's the only way in through Jesus, then you've got it surrounded or pitched within and without, and everywhere else in that Bible, that word's translated atonement. Mm -hmm. So it's just, just a perfect, perfect picture of how we're saved even yeah. now. Ben says he likes the, the, the thoughts of the ark, uh, having three floors, and uh, first, second, third floor, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There is one way. The Bible tells us how many ways are there to heaven. There's one way. And how is that way? Yeah. Through Jesus. You, if you go to, you, a lot of people say we well, can go to God so many different ways, but you cannot. You have to go through Jesus. You have to go through the one door, okay? You have to go. That's excellent, Ben. Uh, God is going to store everything on the earth. And then verse... 18. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the earth, thou and thy sons, and thy wives, and thy sons' wives with thee. Okay. Who's going into the ark? It's people. Moses? I mean, Noah. <laughs> Noah. Not Moses. Moses is not born yet. Noah. Noah's going into the ark with his wife. And who else? Three sons. And there was. How many people? Eight souls. Eight people were going into the ark. Okay. That's it. How many people was alive this time? Nobody has any idea. Nobody has any idea. What? There's a lot more than eight. Some have said two million people, you know, just just going by, you know, what they thought, you know, and have children and things such as that. But that doesn't matter. There was a lot more than eight people. It was a lot more than eight people. But if you were not going into the ark, you will not live. And then 19 through 21. And every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shall thou bring into the ark, to keep them alive with thee, they shall be male and female, the fowls after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive, and take thou to thee of all food that is eaten. Thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for good for thee and for thee. Okay. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shall you bring into the ark. Two of every kind, male and female. Why would you bring a male and a female? Why not two males? Why not two females? So they can reproduce and replenish the earth after this life. We know this. This is basic human biology. We understand this. It's as clear as a bear. People sometimes today seem like want to twist this around. But God understands it. Noah understood it. The animals understood it. I don't know how animals understand, but they understand. Because male and female animals will copulate and will replenish. That's just a fact. Just a fact. We all know that. We know that very well. God's plan is always what? It's perfect. God's plan is always perfect. Because why, Kevin? He knows exactly what he's talking about. Kevin takes his truck down to London to get worked on from time to time when he has to have something done. And the boy's name is Wes that looks at it. Wes knows what he's talking about, okay? He don't know everything. But he knows a lot about diesel trucks, don't Kevin? And he can fix it most of the time, Kevin. And he tells Kevin, he says, I believe it's this. And most of the time, he's exactly right. Why? He's worked on a lot of trucks. He's very smart. He's trained well. He's got the equipment and tools to fix it with. Don't bring it to my house, Kevin, if your truck's tore. Waste any time, son. Waste. Well, let's just tow it out to Shelby Royce. He's a good fella. He'll fix it. No. Waste any time. We're just going to have it parked there and have a nice, shiny, pretty truck sitting there that don't run. Okay. Take it to somebody who knows. 
God knows exactly what he's talking about. Right. Yes. Nadab and Abihu were destroyed. He built the temple. He told them exactly how it was built. Right. Right. And so uh, that might be a lesson for us today. I think it absolutely yes. You know, and we, uh, as we get towards the end of this lesson, we will go down that road a little bit more about what people's thoughts of their own heart are. We uh, we get in trouble when we start saying, "Well, I'm going to make my own way." Jeremiah says, "What? It's not in man that walketh to do what to direct his own steps." Okay. Because you don't know where you're going, okay? You do not know where you're going. And you may make it muddle through this life, but it don't get you to heaven, will it? You cannot get to heaven, but, well, I'm just going to do what feels right. And then uh, uh, Frank Sinatra had the song years ago, I did it my way, you know, and big hit, big hit. Well, there's some truth there that you did things your way, but not completely. You better put God in there. And what if you said, I did it God's way? I did what God's well, the world said to cheat, but I said, God said not to cheat, so I, I didn't cheat. The world says to lie to get ahead, and God says don't lie, so I didn't. The world says to think about unholy and evil thoughts, but I thought I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to think about pure thoughts and unholy and holy thoughts. With, you know, that's better. That's God's way. God would have it that way and no other way. Bring two of every type of animal into the ark. What's verse 22 say? Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Okay. I've got this highlighted uh, on my paper here. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. How many of you all ever got in trouble with mom and dad because you did exactly what you were told to do? Not one so. Mom said, go to the store and get a gallon of milk. You go to the store, you come back, gallon of milk. No trouble. No trouble. Tickled death with it. Okay. If you go to the store to get the gallon of milk and you come back with a gallon of ice cream, no milk. Mama not very happy as she sent it. And she's gonna take you out, ain't she? Just like, she <laughs> like you said. It's just we know that. We know that. We know that. Uh, now sometimes I you get in trouble. I told you the story about when I was in about the fifth grade or something, the teacher said, I'm going down there to talk to the principal, don't nobody talk while I'm gone. And so Shepard Roy started doing his homework when the teacher left the room. And them other kids went wild. They jumping and hollering and screaming and running and, and flipping and doing everything. I never said a word. I was going to get my homework done because I didn't want to take it home with me. She comes back up about 10 minutes later and said, you all were awful. I told you to be quiet. And she said, Shelby, I could hear you louder than anybody. <laughs> and so I really did get in trouble when I hadn't done anything that particular time. But I let it roll off my back. You know why? Because there's plenty of times I was loud and boisterous and I didn't, I didn't take offense at it. And I thought, well, I really wouldn't give this time sweetheart, I thought to myself. <laughs> but I have been many other times. So, um, but God and Noah did all that God commanded him. So did he, okay? Thus did Noah. And then here, here comes what's happening. Genesis 7, 4. For yet seven days and I will cause it to rain upon the earth. Forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. Okay. As God has, the time has come, Noah has the ark built. Noah has been forewarned. And the Bible would tell us later that Noah was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years. 
a preacher of righteousness. What does that mean? What does that mean? He's a preacher of righteousness. Told people to do what is right. He's telling people to do what's right. Okay. You know people were uh, looking at him and saying, what are you doing? No, what are you doing? Well, I'm building a big boat. Why? Because God is going to destroy the world. What? With the rain? But it's never rain. We don't know what that is. But it's going to come. And he was a preacher of righteousness. People today will stand in pulpits around the world and stand in front of lecterns and things, and they will be preaching righteousness. I am trying right now to preach righteousness too. I am telling you the story, and we're studying together the story of Noah's Ark. This story is true. It's accurate. It cannot be denied. And people can either listen to it and obey it, or they can listen to it and reject it. And that's what people did in Noah's day. They listened to it. They saw what he was doing. But they did not pay attention to it. Jerry, I think you said it mentioned but what really makes this story hard to believe for people back then is, is like you said, it didn't rain. Yeah. Rain didn't exist. From my understanding, it right. water kind of like mist and dew coming up from the ground. It's almost like a tropical yeah. environment all over, from what I understand. And then after the floods, when all that started. So this was the introduction of rain and yeah. the end of paradise tropical weather. Amen. That's exactly right. It, that's, uh, that's, uh, and that makes it harder to believe, don't you? Uh, you want to jump in just a tad here? But when God says, I'm going to destroy the world the next time with fire and brimstone, and everything in it will be what? Destroyed or burned up. Burned up. Well, that's hard to believe. We've seen big fires. We've seen big infernals. You know, gas lines blow up and stuff. Oh, what a huge fire. Loss of life. Terrible things. People burn beyond recognition. Terrible, terrible things. But it's just such a small scale. But just imagine what if all of Kentucky was on fire. I mean, big fire. Burning everything up. Think about the country of Australia. Yeah, the country of Australia. The whole country. A lot of it just burned up. It's bad, scary, okay. But we can't comprehend it, can we, Josh? Those people in this day could not comprehend it. A flood? Water running everywhere? Getting deep? Drowning us? Nah, that's not going to happen. It was... I can see why they were skeptical. I can see why. Yeah, and, know, after it started, people want to get in then after... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I guarantee they were hanging on the side. The door was shut. The door was shut. I guarantee they were hanging on the side. They were screaming big. Yes, ma'am. So Genesis is a description of the human condition. Right. I mean, it's part with no sin, right. which negates the idea of original sin. Absolutely. There's sin, and, you know, after a while, sin comes on, which is how my life is. And basically, paradise is locked to us. And that's what you talked about with the last Sunday, whatever it was that you taught it. You know, 1 Peter 2, or 1 Peter 3.21, I know you're going to say this later, but mm -hmm. the anti-type which now saves us, or the like figure which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the washing away, or the answer of good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our, that's our baptism uh, right there. It all happens uh, sort of right through there. Yes. You know, you see all of that, and you see that, you know, if you go on further in Genesis, you see Abraham, who was had instructions from God, but thought he knew better. Yeah. You know, and you, that's where you get Hagar and Ishmael and all that. You get later on with Lot and his wife. Our desire many times to return. What Josh was saying right there uh, a minute ago, the destruction, you know, with, with fire. There'd be no more floods. You know, that's, you know, our, the baptism is there. That, that's right. what it is. And, you know, 
and, and even with what Lucille's saying right there, when the when the doors closed, you know, you're out of luck. I mean, that's what I think you titling these stories from my mother's knee, or mm -hmm. my tall my mother's knee, or whatever it was, mm -hmm. is that these stories are made simple because things can be complicated. And these are simplistic stories that maybe the focus shouldn't be on how long a cubit is or how many people can fit on a boat, but rather, you know, prep preparing people for what they have to do in order to have salvation when this life is over. I I've always interpreted, you know, uh, much of the Old Testament, but especially Genesis, is that way to, you know, prepare, uh, you know, to prepare people because you're not going to tell, you know, the, the things that you teach in this class would be different in Will's class or in Ix's class, you know, those, those stories would be different. You know? But, uh, but it, it, everything right here uh, is later told, you know, as, as the sort of foundation of Christianity uh, in the Old Testament. Excellent points. Uh, those are exactly right. And I like the part you said there. There there was no original sin. People think that man was born in sin. Man was not born into sin. Man was born perfect. God created him perfect. In a perfect, perfect world. Okay? But God allowed man to make his decision, and that decision was to do what? To sin. We talked about that in the Garden of Eden. Man chose to sin. Okay? We, like we said in the class... We would have done the same thing. Cindy and, and, and Kevin would have sinned. We all do. Daniel and Mary would have sinned. We, we, we would have all that. sinned. Okay, Shelby, Roy, and Deb would have sinned. Guarantee, write it down, circle it, underline it. They would have sinned, okay? Because that's, that's not a whole story. That's, that's, we, we relive that Adam and Eve story with every child that's born. Right, right. Uh, God tells me there, our time is up. And we'll start, we'll do this again. I may teach next Sunday morning rather than rent, let him teach the last Sunday, uh, the, the, the fourth Sunday. But seven days I will cause to rain upon the earth, forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. Do we walk by sight or we walk by faith? We walk by faith. We weren't there. We did not see it. Okay. But it, it kind of fascinates me that wherever they go in the world, they, uh, they can see remnants of a huge colossal flood. Every group of people in the world, no matter where they find them, they will tell the story of the flood. The reason they tell the story of the flood is because, why? Because it happened. It was a worldwide flood that really did happen. And they will, that's, why, that's why there's remnants of that story throughout all civilizations. Okay. Thank you all very much. I hope you enjoyed the class. And uh, we will continue then with Genesis, uh, continue with the story. Thank you. All things are ready. God.